Choosing to get pregnant in a war is the closest experience I've had to the experience of getting baptized. In her wartime pregnancy, Sarah Miles began a journey into suffering and love whose redemptive meaning cracked open in her baptism. Unique as it is in its details, her story is the story of all the baptized. Sarah Miles got pregnant in the fall of 1988 while she was covering the Civil War in El Salvador as a reporter. It was a brutal conflict. As she recalls, pretty much every morning during the fall of 1988, I'd go out and learn that a body had been dumped in the ravine at the end of my street. Death squads descended on men, women, and children. Military and guerrilla forces sprayed each other with bullets on public streets, heedless of civilians in the line of fire. This was not a safe place or even a sane place to be carrying a baby, especially for someone who could simply fly back to the United States. And yet she was swept away by a longing for new life. Before her pregnancy, Miles had reported other people's suffering, but she had retained a, a safe journalistic distance. Now that she was carrying a child in her own womb, suffering had become personal. She writes, I saw hungry kids, maimed kids, lost kids, scared kids, sick kids, shot kids. Night after night, I knew mothers and fathers were still awake, waiting for their children to come home alive. I was heading straight into that suffering as well as into love. Miles felt in her own body what every patient, parent I know can tell you. When your child hurts, your own heart breaks. Parents are forever vulnerable to the world through their daughters and sons. And Miles' own tender vulnerability gave her a visceral feeling of solidarity with the sufferings of all those parents and children around her. Baptism would provide the crucial redemptive element to the wartime lessons of suffering and love. Suffering for others can lead to new life. Miles came to faith as a 40-something. She chose to be baptized, or more accurately, a longing for new life drew her to the font. This was especially baffling for her, her friends, and her family. 
None in her circle had a religious bone in their body. Her parents had raised her as a secularist. Over the years, she'd found no reason to think of religious beliefs as anything more than superstition. For no apparent reason, she had wandered into St. Gregory of Nyssa. It's an Episcopal church out in California. Having not the slightest clue about what was going on, she stumbled her way through the liturgy and received communion. When she took the bread and the wine into her mouth, she knew instantly that Jesus had entered into her. That this Jesus character is real and really conveys himself to us in those humble elements. Well, strictly speaking, this experience did not compute for her. While she tastes, what she tasted and felt clashed with everything that she understood to be true. In time and with considerable intellectual and emotional wrestling, she yielded to her desire for new life. She got baptized. And this is what her baptism revealed. Sometimes, she writes, I felt so uplifted by the thought of being special, marked as Christ's own, that I forgot baptism wasn't about me. And it wasn't about the event. The particular day the water would wet me. I was baptized into the crucifixion of the world and into living daily redemption. Like Miles, we are all baptized into solidarity with each other's suffering and hunger for new life. And we are baptized into Jesus. Jesus embraces and redeems the world's suffering through our hands and feet. Miles puts it this way. For me, it's about actually doing the work that Jesus gives his disciples. Feeding, healing, touching the ritually unclean, forgiving, raising the dead. And entering into this work, following Jesus, allows us to believe what seems on the face of it ridiculous. God has faith in us. God has faith in us. That God trusts us. People no better or smarter or more faithful than the cowardly housewives and fishermen he chose as his disciples. To bear God in our bodies and do God's work in the world. We are the body of Christ. We bear God in our bodies. Jesus loves through us to heal and renew our scarred and weary world. The redemptive power of suffering and love 
helps us understand why Jesus teaches us to turn the other cheek. Our first impulse is to avoid pain and to do whatever it takes to survive. News reports and history books are filled with a common human story. We habitually depend upon threat of violence to prevent others from hurting us. When someone injures us or insults us, our animal impulse is to strike back, to hurt our attacker worse. We seek to bruise and to intimidate our opponents into fearful submission. In other words, we seek to minimize our own suffering, even if it comes at the expense of someone else's misery. Jesus is very clear. This way of walking the planet will leave the world wounded and disfigured. Instead, Jesus teaches us to take up our cross and follow him. Only love in all its vulnerability to the sufferings of others and all its risk of injury to ourselves, only love will heal and transfigure the world. So when Jesus says, do not resist an evildoer. He is not advocating passive submission to cruelty and abuse, oppression and deprivation. Instead, Jesus wants us to resist evil without becoming evil ourselves. My friend Bishop Nick Nisley of Rhode Island shared a helpful clue about dealing with nastiness on social media that applies to Christian response to evil and violence. The solution to pollution is dilution. The solution to pollution is dilution. Don't respond to nasty tweets or inflammatory Facebook posts in kind. Flood social media with truth and kindness and generosity. Likewise, Instead of trying to crush evil, overwhelm evil with good. Feed the hungry. Help addicts get sober. Teach job skills. Share your support network with those who are falling through the cracks. Befriend the bullied, not in condescension, but in solidarity. Don't withhold yourself for fear of injury to body or soul. Do the good that's right in front of you every day. Our own small acts of compassion and decency might not seem like much in this big, dangerous, aching world. But together, the billions of the baptized are a mighty force. 
the healing force of Christ's own suffering love. Be patiently relentless. Jesus' love is not a magic wand. It is a centuries-long rising tide. From time to time, it seems to recede. But eventually, the suffering love of Jesus will cleanse this world of hate and cruelty, degradation and persecution. And that love, that love will flow through frail and fragile hands like ours. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.